Welcome to City Church. City Church is a biblically-based, relationally-driven, spirit-led church, encouraging everyone to follow Jesus and serve others. We're excited to share this sermon with you today, and you can always find out more about us online at citychurchseville.com. Well, good morning, City Church. Um, I think all of us are well aware of the craziness that's been going on in our community, not just in our community, but all over the world. I have to fully admit at the outset of this message was that um, I had a totally different sermon planned for today. This Easter series has been planned out, and as we've been facing things uh, as a church and as a community, I really felt like God had me switch what I was going to be preaching on. So this morning's sermon is entitled, Resurrection When Fear Locks Us In. Resurrection When Fear Locks Us In. Now, when I speak of the craziness that's been happening, I have to admit to you that uh, the lead pastoral team here at City Church, that we had one decision that we were moving with, then we made different decisions, then we became better informed, and over a three-day period, we found that the decisions that we were making were changing very, very rapidly. So it wasn't just this sermon that switched, but it was also some of the decisions we were making as a church. Now, some of the things I've discovered over the past week or so is that um, I hugged a lot more people than I ever thought I did before. I can't tell you how many people I walked up to and I went to give them a hug and all of a sudden we found each other backing up and kind of pressing away. Uh, in line with that, I've been thinking about some of the craziness and the changes that are taking place. One of the things that I'm keenly aware of is there will be no March Madness this year. I have no clue what to watch on television for the next several weeks. But for those of us who are UVA fans, and if you keep God first in your heart, I'm assuming that you'd agree with this, that UVA will be the champions again this year. So UVA has been the champion two years in a row. Now, another thing that I'm struggling with personally is that the UVA wrestling team, we had six wrestlers that were going to the national tournament. I serve in some ways as the de facto chaplain of that team, and that tournament, as you know, has been canceled as well. Well, in the midst of all of this and all of this craziness, for those of you who are in leadership, you know that this isn't just a crazy time in the negative sense. This is also a time as leaders that we get to learn about where our systems might maybe be where maybe they're not where they ought to be. It's a wonderful time to where we get to analyze things and some of us maybe even have more time now because of the things that we're forced into. But as leaders, I know it's a challenge, but it can also be viewed in a possible way or in a positive way. The other thing that I've noticed is that oftentimes we cease to celebrate during times like this. It seems like negativity can overcome us. And so there's something that I want the entire City Church family to celebrate today, and that is Pastor Keith's birthday. He turns 41 years old today, and so I want you to text him, email him, go on his Facebook, just smother him with celebration for turning 41 today. Now, the raw reality is, though, is that this season has been uniquely crazy. 
But it doesn't take long to read the Easter story where you're going to discover that that period of time as Jesus enters into Jerusalem through his death, burial, and resurrection and several days after, that that was a crazy time as well. Not only was it crazy, but it is rife with fear. And the dozens and dozens of people that I've been speaking with over the past week or so, I've discovered that there's a rising level of anxiety and a rising level of fear in a lot of people's hearts. That's why I'm going to be bringing this sermon. Because again, the title of this sermon is When Fear Locks Us In. But I've also noticed that on Facebook, on Twitter, people texting each other, emailing each other, there's been a lot of verses that have been brought forth to kind of counteract fear. And that's an awesome idea. The verse that I've seen the most is the verse that says, God has not given us the spirit of fear. Another verse that I'm seeing often is the text that says, be strong and courageous. And I think all of us already know that the greatest command in Scripture is the command to fear not. But in all sincerity, as someone who studies the Scripture, we need to realize that fear is a dominant theme in the Easter story. If you look at the Easter story, you've got the Easter story and fear that are in companionship all over the place. Real briefly, I want to run us through some of the Gospels with Jesus' resurrection, even just after he is resurrected, and here's what we discover. We discover in Matthew chapter 28, when Jesus is risen, the Bible tells us there were guards by the tomb from which he was raised to life, and they passed out with fear. When the angel of the Lord sees the women, he announces them in Matthew 28, do not be afraid. Scripture tells us that the angel encourages them and they hurry away from the tomb and as they do, it says they were afraid yet filled with joy. And then suddenly they, made, they meet Jesus there in the garden and he says to them, do not be afraid. Isn't it amazing that in Matthew 28, 8, we see so clearly that the women as they hurried away from the tomb, they were afraid yet filled with joy. The gospel writers want us to clearly understand that in the Easter season, there is deep confliction in people's hearts when it comes to their emotions. Here these women are, they've met the resurrected Jesus, but they're afraid, yet filled with joy. They're conflicted. Mark's gospel ends on an incredible note. In Mark chapter 16, verse 6, Jesus appears to the women in the garden and says, don't be alarmed. As we look on, we discover in that text that the angel announces to these women that Jesus will go ahead of them and they will see him in Galilee. And the gospel of Mark ends in Mark 16, 8 with the following phrase, trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. The Gospel of Luke tells us that when Jesus appears to his disciples, that they are filled with fear. Luke 24, 36 and following says that the disciples are in a room. Jesus appears to them and makes this announcement, peace be with you. The Bible says they are startled and frightened 
And Jesus asked them this question, why are you troubled and why do doubts rise in your minds? It is easy to say that where we're at right now in the Gospels and where we're getting ready to read from the Gospel of John, there have been five days of confusion, of grief, of fear, and doubt. And now we pick up our reading in John chapter 20, verses 19 through 20. Jesus appears to his disciples. The Gospel of John chapter 20, verses 19 through 20 tells us this. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and side. And the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. When you read the context of that gospel and gospel of John chapter 20, you discover that the primary context is this, is that the disciples had locked the door for fear. They had locked the door. Now, I clearly understand that there are at times wisdom in locking the door. But there's also times when you'll lock the door for a different reason. And it's not out of wisdom, it's out of fear. And the gospel writer wants us to know the reason why the doors were locked around the disciples was because of fear. So obviously the question begins here. Do you in your own life, have you locked the doors for fear and then you fill in the blank? Is there something in your life right now where you clearly know that fear has you locked in? The problem with this type of fear is, is that yes, it's true that no one can get in, but it's also true that you can't get out. You see, this type of fear has held the disciples captive in the upper room. Yes, no one can get to them, but that fear has kept them captive. Now look, I'm well aware that fear often grips us when we face the unexpected, when things hit us that we had not planned for, and that's clearly what the disciples are facing. They recognize that things that they thought about Jesus are simply not happening. And so they have found the unexpected, the unplanned, and now they're unprepared. Here's what I know. I know that there are times in my own life where fear has gripped me. And it's gripped me because I cannot really see what is happening. And I'm not exactly sure about what's going on. I give the disciples kind of some soft credit here in that I recognize this is exactly where they're at. They really can't see what's happening. And therefore, they're not sure about what's going on. Recently in my own life, I had an episode where this is something I want to illustrate. I found in my own life where the headlights on my car were getting really, really dim. My wife, Fran, would get in the car with me and we would drive at night. And when we would drive, she would always kind of look at me and say, Pete, I really can't even see where we're going. And I would tell her, I can see perfectly. 
I don't know what the problem is. But I could tell that there was stress and strain in her voice. And this went on for several weeks. And then finally, one of my headlights actually went out in my car. So in recognizing that the headlights were actually dim, I decided to use the one that was still working, put it in the glove compartment as a spare, and then actually get brighter lights. The guy at the auto parts store told me that these lights are 30% brighter than the ones that I'd had before. So I put them in. I was at the auto parts store just before they closed, and it was very dark out. I put the new bulbs in there in the parking lot, turned the lights on, and they were not all that much more brighter. So what I discovered was, was that the lens cover over the headlights on the front of the car had yellowed and gotten covered and were no longer bright but dim. So what I did was, is I went back into the auto store and I picked up this kit in order to fix the headlights. So I bought this kit and it's probably now almost 10.30 at night and I'm home at my house and I purchased this kit and I got it all together. And then what I did was I went out in my driveway and I put this kit together and decided that I was going to fix the headlights on my car. So here's what I did. I got everything ready, got it set, and it's 10.30 at night. And I'm outside in my driveway and I'm polishing the headlamps. And as I'm polishing them, I'm very proud of the fact that I'm being an awesome husband, just an incredible husband. So in the midst of polishing them, I turned on the lights again and noticed that it was absolutely clear. So as any good husband would do, I wanted Fran to know that I was out in the driveway saving her life the next time we drove together. So I had this temptation, and the temptation was, was to take the panic button on the key of my car, trip it, have the alarm in the car go off, she was asleep in our bedroom, and I wanted to see her look out the window, look down into the driveway, and tell me how incredible of a husband that I am. That was my goal. I didn't do it. Truth of it is, I did this headlight work almost three days ago, and Fran still has not ridden in the car at night to see how I've saved her life, and now she can see where we're going, and she can tell what's ahead, and all of the fear that we've had while driving together is now gone. I know all husbands understand exactly what I'm talking about. It's an opportunity for B for me to be the man. The problem is she's watching this sermon and so the surprise is now gone. Here's what I know though. I know that for many of us during this time, not knowing what's ahead, dealing with the unexpected, not having a clear vision of what's coming at us is deeply concerning. I understand that. I also know this, though. Can you imagine what the conversation was like for the disciples in that room? Can you even imagine what they were talking about? Here, they've been locked in a room for three days. They've locked a door because of fear. Can you imagine the conversations that they're having with one another? Here's what I know. When fear hits, none of us are immune to these types of conversations. We're not. We can get pulled into them, and we can discover that the conversation just gets more and more fearful. 
I believe that that conversation would, was at its fever pitch. And when it was at its fever pitch, because it says in the evening on the third day, when the doors were locked because of fear, Jesus in resurrected body steps into the middle of the conversation. What does Jesus say? The scriptures don't tell us what the disciples said, but the scriptures do tell us what Jesus said. And here's he, how he adds to their conversation, which we can safely assume was rife with fear. Here's what he says to them. Peace be with you. His comment in the midst of fear is peace be with you. I think his injection of the peace of who he is transforms everything in that room. I also believe that's true for us. I honestly believe that no matter what we face in life, Jesus can step into the midst of the most fear-filled conversation and he can speak to us. Peace be with you. And this is important to understand. This is said as a command. It's literally a command. Peace be with you. And then the scripture says he does something fascinating. After he said this, the gospel of John chapter 20 tells us that Jesus now shows them the wounds in his hands and the wound in his side. You know what he's doing? He's providing a clear vision of himself. The vision that they've been longing for, the vision that they've lost sight of, now Jesus steps into their midst, literally appears in the room and shows them the wounds in his hand and the wounds in his side. What he's doing is he's forcing them to face their fears. He's forcing them. They're having to face their greatest fears because those wounds are what filled them with fear. But now here he is, and he's revealing their greatest fears to them. But instead of finding death, they find life. Instead of finding defeat, they're now beginning to see resurrection hope. One biblical scholar put it this way. The wounds of Christ's apparent defeat are now the proof of his resurrection and victory. So the thing that had filled the disciples with fear because they could not see it, they could not understand it, their vision had been blurry, they did not know the way forward. Now Jesus is literally in their midst and he is presenting to them their greatest fear. But in it, those wounds are now his greatest victory. As we look at our story, we need to discover a few things that I think are pertinent in this moment. Here's one of them. I had always been taught that if you have fear, that completely eradicates faith. And that God will only respond to faith, that's all. If that were true, Jesus would have never showed up in that room, ever. 
Because the scriptures tell us, John is very clear, that the context of this is nothing but fear. They have locked the doors. They have cloistered themselves. They're keeping everyone else away. Why? Because of fear. And yet Jesus steps right into the middle of that fear-based conversation that they're having. What's even more amazing is Jesus just walks right through the walls. He appears there. He is now in resurrected body. His body is oddly the same, but it is absolutely different. It's the strangest thing. And yet somehow his resurrection and that body being the same, and yet now somehow being completely different, brings a sense of peace and a sense of joy to his disciples. Here's what I can guarantee us. That if you right now feel like you're walled in by fear, that Jesus is the only one that can get into places where no other human can get to. That Jesus had a way of entering into a room that had kept all the other people out, and yet now in his love and in his resurrection, he's able to step into places where people have been pushed away and kept away because of fear. The scripture says, they are overjoyed. John's clear that at the end of that encounter, they're absolutely overjoyed. You may think that means that they begin to live differently. You might think that this means that they're suddenly having a different way of living their lives. But John chapter 20, verses 26 and 27 that deals with doubting Thomas proves to us they hadn't. Even though they'd had this emotional response to Jesus, even though they began to have a clear vision of who he was, they're still not free. Because in John chapter 20, verses 26 through 27, the scriptures tell us this, that a week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them, though the doors were locked. John is telling us that fear is still a part of who they are. That fear is still there, but it's such an exciting story because it says Jesus came and stood among them and he said the same thing he did the first time. Peace be with you. It's the command that he alone can give and he alone can bring. And it says, then he said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Now, if you were wondering how the story ends up, it's an incredible story. Because we pick up our disciples several months or a few months later, we discover that the fear truly is gone. Because the book of Acts chapter 2 verses 42 through 47 bring us an update on how the disciples are now living. Here we find that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles, and all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those 
who are being saved. I believe with all my heart that one of those houses that is mentioned here in Acts 2.42 and following is the same house they were in when they were hiding. I believe it with all my heart. Now that home is open. People are invited in. The fear that had locked the doors has now been conquered. Jesus is fully understood by them. The Holy Spirit has been poured out on them, and they have a new authority and a new power to live life. So as we look at our stories from John 20 to now Acts chapter 2, as we talk about putting feet to your faith, here are some things that I want us to know and to think about. First of all, Putting feet to your faith means this. You acknowledge your fear and admit that it locks you in. If the Gospels can bring to us that amount of honesty, I believe that we can bring that amount of honesty to God as well. In doing so, we know that life doesn't always go as planned. That we always don't have a clear vision of the future. That sometimes our vision can get blurry. But I think it's important to admit what the Gospels do. Every single person that met Jesus in resurrected body was afraid before he got there and many after he had met them in resurrected body. Second thing, putting feet to our faith, is this. I think it would be important for us to commit to seeing Jesus clearly that maybe we've now recognized as we've recognized maybe in our community, in our own lives, some of our systems aren't able to carry things like we thought that they would or could. We're discovering maybe there were some deficiencies. And again, in leadership, this is an exciting thing to learn. But maybe we would have to admit that in the midst of the coronavirus, we have not been seeing Jesus clearly. And it is important for us to begin to do that intentionally, to make sure that our faith and our view of Jesus is clear. In order to do this, there's an app on the YouVersion Bible app that's entitled Journeying with Jesus. I'm going to ask that you would please download this app. In downloading this app, I'm going to send out a daily email with an encouraging thought to all of us that will go beyond the scriptures that are listed in that devotional. I think it's important because I believe that if we use this time to clearly see Jesus, that is something that will sustain us in the future. The third thing about putting feet to your faith, please use this time to love your neighbor as yourself. Please do that. Can't you sense with the disciples who are filled with fear, they've locked the doors. Yes, no one can get in. But that fear has locked them from everyone else. I believe this is an amazing opportunity for City Church and churches all over the world to not be locked in by fear, but to love our neighbor. In order to do this here at City Church, we have put together a pastoral helpline. The number for that is 434-260-1053. I am asking that you would put that number in your phone that you would entitle it the pastoral helpline. And as you are loving your neighbors, or maybe in your own life, if you have a spiritual need, if you need prayer, 
If you have health needs, if you have financial needs, if during this season you discover that you need unique help with physical things, City Church is committed to loving you and to help you and empower you to love your neighbor as well. I'm guaranteeing you that our neighbors are in need. I believe that it is our moment to step out from behind locked doors of fear and step into people's lives, discover what their needs are, and let's actively love them. And then last, but definitely not least, I want to encourage you to be prayerfully open to the Holy Spirit. As a Spirit-led church, I'm completely convinced that one of the dynamic things that happened in the life of the disciples happened on Pentecost. After they began to get their vision of Jesus where it needed to be, Jesus and the Heavenly Father pours the Holy Spirit out on them. And we find in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, they are living categorically different lives than the communities around them. They are living with open homes, with generosity and love. One other thing I want to challenge the City Church family to do is not only be open to the Holy Spirit, and I say this with all sincerity, please also open your emails because we are trying to communicate with you. We are trying to make sure that all of us have opportunities to serve, that all of us know what the needs are so that you can pray, that you can give, and that collectively as a church family, we can love our neighbors as ourselves. So in putting feet to your faith, acknowledge your fear and admit that it locks you in. Commit to seeing Jesus clearly. Love your neighbor as yourself and prayerfully be open to the Holy Spirit. Wherever you're at, I'm going to ask that you would stand. We're going to worship Jesus together. And as we do, we're going to trust that literally the person of Jesus will enter into the room that maybe we've locked ourselves in out of fear. We're going to trust that he will speak those profound words to us. Peace be with you.